Good morning, River City, all you beautiful people in the room. Live stream, shout out to you. We're so happy that you're here with us today. Drop us a comment. Let us know who's watching. You are just as much a vital part of the service as everybody in the room. If you are new, welcome. We like you already. Most of us don't bite, so I can't wait to meet you. Um, we are going to dive into spiritual formation this morning. I'm really excited. Um, this is part of our three-month we-all-go-together focus. Um, so if you would with me, let's stand. We're going to read our lectionary passage together from Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So God, we invite you today into our service. This is all for you anyway, so if you're not here, it's pretty pointless. So if you would just take a minute, let's just all posture our heart to commune with Jesus today. God, we recognize your presence. We love your presence. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Would you come and be with us today? Help us see what you're doing, not only in our own individual lives, but in the lives of those sitting next to us on our left and right. You are worthy of our attention today, God and every day for that matter but god we just give we give you our minds we give you our hearts we give you our song and we ask that you would meet us where we are in jesus name we're going to enter into prayers of the people where we lift up the global church those who are suffering those in power opportunity to, to share from our seats as well. Let us pray. O God, almighty and eternal, holy, holy, holy is your name. You are worthy to be praised. To you who crafted our universe, the sun, the earth, the moon, and the stars, and all the beautiful topography of our magnificent planet, we are in awe of your power and majesty. We find it astounding that in your greatness and majesty, you have made yourself known in the gentle image of a gracious parent. We bow before you in gratitude and humble adoration, and we offer you our praise and thanksgiving. We confess that we often find ourselves living in darkness and in the shadows of life. Fearful of our own shadow, we nonetheless find it comfortable to live in life's shadows. We too often forget that we are the cause of Jesus' journey. We nitpick like the scribes who criticize Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. We too often are glad we are not as other people. We take pride in our righteousness and accomplishments, forgetting that it is you alone who make us righteous. We take pride in the good things we do. We take pride in what we regard as our good motives and assign the worst of motives to others. We hear the Beatitudes, but often have little enthusiasm for practicing them. 
O Lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Save us from the foolishness of our hearts, which would move toward the shadows. Give us the courage to own the sin which so easily besets us, and to know once again the power of your grace, to embrace us and to save and transform. Likewise, give us grace-filled spirits and cause us to be less condemning of others, less judgmental and rejecting, less exclusive, and less inclined to build walls between ourselves and others. Ever-present God, guide us through our darkest and weakest moments with the assurance of your blessings, helping us to remain rooted deeply in faith and delight in your law. O Lord, our strength, we put our trust in you. Ever-present God, we lift up the global church. Please grant all who lead us in your church with wise and gracious spirits as they guide each of us and themselves toward the radiance of everlasting life in you. O Lord, our strength. Ever-present God, turn all leaders of government across your creation away from the false counsel of those with ill intent and toward your wisdom to advocate for the full breadth of their constituencies. O Lord, our strength. Ever-present God, embrace the hearts of all who are seriously ill, addicted, or life-weary, and give energy to those who see to their care. We ask your care and comfort for the suffering, those whose lives are interrupted by illness, those whose family fabric has been torn by grief, those whose diminishing health is causing change or transition. Lord, we, 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 have, we take a moment here to lift up those in our own lives. Oh Lord, our strength. Ever-present God, surround those who mourn with your perfect peace as the glory and joy of your presence now enfolds those who have gone before us. Lord, we lift up now those who have gone before us. O Lord, our strength. Ever-present God, we pause in this moment to offer you our other heartfelt thanksgivings, intercessions, burdens, and worries. Let's share those aloud or, to, or silently to ourselves now. O oh Lord, our strength. God of hope and healing, as you test our minds and search our hearts, keep us mindful of the choices we make in all that we do. Endow us with the courage to accept and trust your blessings where we are. We ask through Jesus, our risen Christ, and the Holy Spirit, sanctifier of our souls, who together with you are one God, now and forever. Amen. As you're making your way back, I want to just, so the ETS, that is, she had mentioned that that's starting today. What specifically is ETS? It is equipping the saints, but what is that? Groups of four to six people traveling for the next four months through 
practices and disciplines in community on a weekly basis. Um, you get to dive into things specifically this season about prayer. We feel like we're supposed to emphasize prayer as a church over the next half of a year. And scripture after that, not that prayer or scripture should be in an order, but they're both important. And we felt like this one was for prayer. So if you are someone who wants to learn more about prayer, this wouldn't be just for people who know all about prayer. But if you're someone who really wants to kind of become familiar practically with what prayer, I think ETS would be the perfect en route for you. Also perfect en route to find closer connections. You will meet people and be walking with them. So it's very helpful. Today, I am going to be continuing what we've been calling We All Go Together. And the reason we felt like we all go together was so important was because we feel that God is kind of reminding our church and our people of the reasons we're here. And really just point blank clarity, the reason the local church, I think, for me to invest my whole life in it, is to continue the narrative of the gospel of Jesus in community and in our lives personally, so that we can be Jesus people. And so that happens beautifully, hopefully, in the context of the local community and in discipleship. And we recognize that it's been tough over the past couple of years in community, especially for churches and communities. And so this is kind of our, what do we mean by what the local church should be? And so for the next five, six weeks, we're going to be talking about things that we feel like are massive pillars in that. And so specifically from Acts chapter one and two, we see five things, but not limited to, there's more than that, but five specific things we're asking each of our people to step into. The first one would be spiritual formation. The second one would be just the simplicity of being present. And by that, I mean actual physically present or online present during service time and present while present, which is my wake up call. I can be with, but not present, very good. So this is the idea of recognize when we're here, what is happening? Am I available to the invitations of Jesus through the Spirit? Am I present with people for a continual time? The next one is stepping into prayer. The local church should be a house of prayer. It should be a joy to step into that space. I recognize that there are hard places for people, but that's something we're going to jump into. Jumping into and stepping into serving. The local community should be thriving, not because three superstars, not that any of us are superstars, are carrying the weight of the church, but because this body has come together to serve in the way that God has gifted them. When that happens, it's beautiful. And the last thing is giving. And that's kind of the idea of this uh, hospitable, uh, generous people that we like to be. But that doesn't just happen, right? You have to kind of grow into that. But all of these things do not just show up when you wake up. So that's the thing about these five things. You will literally have to do this. I'm not making you, but if you would like to see the fruits of these things, right? We love the book of Acts, and especially chapter 2, especially the fruit of that community. In 242 through 47, we see this lush community. They're eating together and going to the temple and praying for one another, and you got needs, let's fill them. But that's the fruit of what they've decided to do. You don't have fruit before you have root. There's good fruits when there's good roots. That feels like the most sermonish thing I've ever said. 
But there really isn't. Just in practical life, there's not good fruit unless there's a good root. And it's the same with us. Like we're not going to produce the kinds of fruits that God, the Spirit wants to develop in us without being rooted in the things that actually produce that. It's just not, it's not possible. And so today very clearly is stepping into spiritual formation. This will be the last Sunday I talk about this for a while. But I think this might be the most important one because all of the other ones are informed by this one. All of the other ones, this plays a role. And I'll say this may be the strongest thing I say all day. This one invitation will be the largest deciding factor if you actually grow into becoming like Christ in character and conduct. This specific thing, whether choosing it or not choosing it, will be the most formative thing whether your life actually produces fruit. That's a strong thing to say. But you don't just sneak into it or happen upon it. It doesn't happen like that. There has to be the ability to develop a discipline, and I don't want you to hate that word. You already practice it. Many of you have started a workout regimen this year. That's discipline. Many of you have started a reading plan. That's discipline. Many of you are reading a novel. That's discipline. Many of you have a schedule when you wake up. That's discipline. You already instill discipline in your life. But the question we have to answer is, what am I disciplined towards and what's forming me? Something is. Something's already forming all of us, already. We're already being crafted into exactly what we're putting our time into. Specific to it and perfect for it. It's already happening. So it's not the idea of start doing something. It's something's happening are the things that produce Christ-like character and conduct happening. That's what we're going after. So I want to read you just real clearly. Right off the bat, I think words are important. So I want to share what I think are a few good definitions of spiritual formation and then kind of extract the nectar from that. And this one's from James Smith. Christian spiritual formation is the process of being transformed into the image of Christ through a relationship of intimacy with God by the power of the Spirit in order to live a good and beautiful life of faith, hope, love, joy, and peace for the sake of the world. Next up. This one's from Ruth Haley Barton, which is also our ETS kind of spiritual discipline handbook. I love it. It's one of the best resources I've seen. Her definition is spiritual formation is the process by which Christ is formed in us for the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. And lastly, this is from Evan Howard. The intentional and semi-intentional process which believers, individuals, and communities become more fully conformed and united to Christ, especially with regard to maturity in life and calling. And the biggest kind of connecting point in all of these is the idea of being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ, which is what we're going after. And so today, I want to read you a couple passages that paint the picture that even through the Old Testament, we see the narrative of the Old Testament and the arc of the Old Testament pointing us towards Jesus. So the Old Testament is not just, let's throw that out, we got the New Testament, that's what they meant. The Old Testament is working us towards what God always intended, which was Jesus. And we see the arc of of love even to a community and God's people and the blessedness being built out in this community. All of a sudden, enter Jesus, what God intended. Then we have these four beautiful books in the first part of the New Testament called the Gospels, which we should all become familiar with. There's even movies about these things. There's a whole movie called the Gospel of John. It's literally just word for word Gospel of John. If you struggle with reading, watch the movie. 
But these are things we should become familiar with because in Jesus, we see the heart of God. We see the pursuit of the loving God coming after his creation to bring them into shalom and peace and life abundantly. And that's what we're going after. We're going after a people that are living thriving lives, not just adding stuff here and there, but thriving, almost like we're planted deeply in something that is unending, like a well that will never run dry. That sounds fabulous to me. Sounds unbelievable. But I want to read you one of the books in the New Testament, one of the letters from Paul to one of the churches, 2 Corinthians, says this, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, another letter written to the church at Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And it's diving into and inviting us into this idea that this was God's heart all along, the transformation of his people into Christ, which happens specifically not by your strength. So this is not me today saying, you go transform yourself. It's the acceptance that you're not the transformer, but that the space created allows access to the transformer, which is the Spirit of God, who does the transforming in his time. So it's not even up to us. It's up to us to be a space that is moldable. So that involves humility, submission, honesty. It's things like, I don't have it figured out, and what I'm doing right now is probably not going to produce the fruit I'm actually going after. It's honesty about schedules. It's honesty about the rhythms of our life. And is the rhythm, I'm, this is such an interesting question, and all of us know the answer from all of us, because we all say things like, well, I'm just busy this week. Everybody's just busy this week. We're all just busy this week. What kind of week did you have? Well, I'm just kind of crazy. I've already heard it like three times today. Kind of stressed, kind of crazy. We all know that we are all over busy. That's just a part of what we've accepted as okay. And it's not okay. That's not the rhythm that produces the kind of fruit we want to see but it takes decisive and firm decision-making from a community and an individual to step into a space that would actually give access to the Spirit of God to form us. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen at a one-off conference. It doesn't just happen through a sermon, even an amazing sermon, which many of us have heard before. (laughs) I don't ever think that it's coming from me, but it doesn't, even if it did, that wouldn't be where all formation happens. It can't happen just on a Sunday. That's too much pressure on too few people. That's just not possible. This should be, as a discipline, corporate worship, an overflow of what's happening in all of the believers' lives, where all are centered towards the narrative of Jesus and continuing to present that story to those with and around them, right? Think about the Old Testament. We heard this last week in our staff. There was a whole generation of people who forgot to tell the stories of God to the generation behind them, and the generation behind them floundered. You can see it. They just didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go, didn't know what to plant their roots in. The presence of God was not any longer of importance, and so it took a long time to get back on the right track. 
This space is for that. The story of God, at least once a week, is a great first step. It's not all that's needed for you to grow into who God has created you to be, for us to grow into that. And so I want to define the how. How do you be spiritual formation? That's the spiritual disciplines. Again, the word, spiritual discipline. Kara mentioned it last week. Spiritual disciplines do that. So I'm going to ask you to pull up this. Do you have this? Um, what are these? Any intentional space or practice done with the goal of cultivating attentiveness to God and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and around us. There are so many of these that you already practice. Just the ones coming up in the next few months. Prayer, under that, intercession, uh, the basics of prayer, corporate gatherings, worship as a whole, not just worship through song, worship as a whole, scripture reading in community, Lexio Divina, or just the study of scripture, right? All of these things, fasting, we're going to fast in a few weeks, you're going to be so pumped about it, it's going to be great. Um, small group, small group of three to five people, discipleship in small groups of three to five people, sharing testimony and story, all of these things are already spiritual disciplines that we don't even know, there's so many more, detachment. Detachment is stepping away from things that are sucking the life out of you. Sabbath, which is what we did last year, and which has become, become my favorite day of the week. And I've already shared with you, I go to a river if I'm allowed to get in, if they haven't closed the, the gates, which they do at times, and then I'm just struggling, but that's okay. I sit and I be with Jesus without accomplishing a thing, right? Silence and solitude, do nothing for a minute, and then watch how much you freak out. I told you last year, like, they had a, a survey where they said, you can either be alone with yourself for 15 minutes, or we can zap you with a taser. And half the people chose the taser. 15 minutes. Why do we not want to be with ourselves? There's something, that's like a litmus test, is something off, right? It takes time to foster that, though. All of these things, it takes times to foster it, and it takes... Being able to recognize the invitations of the Spirit into what it is specifically for you. Because if you can recognize, Jesus in the Gospels would walk up to specific people and ask specific questions. What is it you desire? Whether or not their desire was even good, wasn't even the, it was just, let's get at some desire so we can talk about how do we enter into a place of peace and rest, which is the shalom and the, and the, and the mission of God, right? And if a whole community can start to gather around these kinds of things, then this community can become that presence in a city, right? Where we don't take the city by storm, but we offer a different way of being human, being non-anxious in a presence of anxiety. That's such a beautiful gift to give somebody. But I'm gonna continue at this point. We have to recognize that formation is already happening. You are already in an ongoing process of becoming what you are beholding, which means spiritual formation looks like an intentional pursuit over and above a multitude of competing options. Now, I want to read you this from a book. We were just riding around yesterday just talking about Scripture and praying and interceding for America and reading words, and Sarah just read this. I don't remember what we were doing, actually, but... I was just being facetious, so forgive me if, if that's troubling. So this is what it says, and this is from actually the book from ETS last year that Sarah did on her own with a friend, and it says this, we now get our meaning in life from what we consume. So, so overarching idea, it's not that Christianity's biggest competition is atheism, it's that it's consumerism, 
Consumerism is the new God that's competing with Christianity. We even get our identity from the things we buy or sell. Most of us would never admit it, but a lot of us believe the saying, I am what I buy. Or more realistically, I am what I wear, or the brand of my phone, or the car I drive, or the neighborhood I live in, or the gadget I flaunt. For a lot of people, things aren't just things, they're identities. This is where, whoo, shopping is now the number one leisure activity in America. Usurping the place previously held by religion, Amazon.com is now the new temple. The visa statement is now the new altar, and double-clicking is now the new liturgy. Lifestyle bloggers are the priests and priestesses. Money is the new God. That is a mic drop right there. There's a reason the only other God Jesus ever called out by name was Mammon, the God of money, because it's a bad God and a lousy religion. And we know that to be true by the fruit it produces. You know this to be true because as soon as you get the thing that you want, and Jonathan and I had this conversation, there's something that else that you want that will provide, but it never actually provides. Never actually provides. So how do we reorient our lives, not around a consumeristic God or the religion of consumerism, and around Yahweh, Jesus, present with us? There's actual ways to do that. And I'm going to read you today. Um, I actually want to share this. A good question. A good question for you, a troubling question, is what am I pursuing and what is forming me? And I don't want you to answer this out loud. I want you to think on it in your mind brain. What am I pursuing and what is forming me? Just for a moment, what am I pursuing and what is forming me? We had an interesting person come into our church last week and help us through finances as a staff, just personally. It was really great. And he talked about one of the things he does with his kids is they sit in front of a TV and watch a commercial. And his goal is to share that every commercial you ever watch has a goal and it has a manipulation point. We know this to be true in our family because one time we went to the store with Noah, my son, as a seven-year-old, and we walked by Tide and he said, we have to buy Tide. And I was like, I think you're right. And he said, no, I saw a commercial, I saw it, and they said that there's no other thing that's even close to this. So this is, so I was going after gain, which is more my lane, right? Or even something a little less than that. But he was so set on this because the message that was sent to him wasn't questioned, it was accepted. And the, the acceptance was, this is, we have to have this for our clothes to be what they could be. And everything in our culture is doing something like that to us. So we have to be able to critically think, what am I actually submitted to right now? Athletically, another God in America, right? Truly is a God in America. How much are we spending on our families? I'm just looking at me and my wife are just like, I don't know. My son's going to Cooperstown this, Cooperstown this year to play in the Little League World Series. Feels great, but it's a lot of money, Right. What are we submitted to and what is it actually producing back? What is the fruit from it? Is that fruit that's eternal, that generationally my, my kids' kids can look at and say, they taught us a different way, right? Or is it one where a whole generation will be lost? And that's troubling. So Psalm 1, I'm going to quickly kind of jump through this. The reason I love this psalm is because, one, it's in the lectionary this week, which is great, and two, it's actually what our church is named after. River City Church is named after this. And our logo, is there a way to pull up our logo? Just clearly for you all to know, that is actually a tree and a river. The two far things going like that, that's a river. This comes from this. And the idea is that we would 
love nothing more than our church and our people to be nourished by an eternal sustainer and living the abundant life of God. That would be awesome. That's why I want to do this forever. But this is what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So I had to have an honest conversation with this text when I read it. And I just want to share with you kind of my instant thoughts. Um, it didn't produce an amazing set of thoughts when I first read this or when I read it at first glance, because it seems not realistic. As I look at life, especially life around us, it does not appear that there's two specific ways and that there's good people and evil people and that the evil people all struggle and all the good people are blessed. We're too sophisticated for that. We understand that a lot of times evil people thrive and good people struggle. So I had to really wrestle with, well, what is being said here? Like what's if it's not just that easy for you to go be good and get all the good and grow and be like a tree that's awesome, what's being said here? I needed to see that, and, and I needed to see what, what is this speaking to a 21st century culture, River City Church, and I think it's just talking about disposition. Because when I look around my life, I know a lot of people, even within our church, that feel like they're completely dry that don't feel like they have much left to give, that are looking for just a little space. You can see it in people's eyes when you look at them. You are overworked. You are struggling. I don't love saying that that person's evil, so I wouldn't frame it like that, but I would say that the contentment and the lack of nourishment from the Spirit of God produces what I would call dryness that's not sustaining, not vibrant, not what God intended, right? So, so when I look at... What sticks out to me here, it's happy are. Somebody say happy are. That's another translation for blessed here. Happy are the people who delight in the presence of the word of God, who cultivate roots in that and respond to the revelation from it, who delight in the presence of God, who cultivate roots in the word of God, and who respond to the revelation that comes from that. Those three things are what produces in people the kind of life that's sustaining even if a pandemic comes or there's loss in our families or we go through a season where our finances are not what they should be. See, the rootedness is much deeper than those situations, right? It's it's someone who, f who looks like a large tree, whose leaves produce shade, whose fruit is there for consumption. But it's also someone, this person, the person I think we're going after is not someone who is from January 1st to December 31st producing fruit for everybody around them. That's not right either, right? Even trees can't do that. Trees are smarter than us. Like, that's just not possible. Fruit comes from sustaining nurture that is important, and that's yearly. It's not like this fruit had its nurture when it was one, 
But now that it's two, it just produces. It's not ever like that. This kind of tree has its rootedness in something that allows it to go through seasons where it doesn't look like there's a lot coming, but then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, apples, oranges. Aren't those, both those things grow from trees, right? Yes. Watermelons, they grow from trees? Nope. See? Gotcha. But those things come and go, and that doesn't mean it's successful or failure, but with fruit coming and not fruit coming to this kind of tree, there's still a depth that gives sustainability of life and also a presence of non-anxious peace, so it's not situationally positioned, right? This is also the opposite of the chaff that's mentioned here, which has no roots. Chaff is interesting because it stands, sits, walks, it's like chaotic, it's like doesn't know what it's doing. It's going here. Let's go over there. Let's do this. Let's go over here. Let's do this. There's no rootedness. It's rooted in itself. And itself is not sustaining or nurturing. So there's never satisfaction, ever satisfaction. It's just moving around, just over here, over there, next thing. It doesn't get its happiness from receiving fruit. This is where I think Christian maturity comes in. It gets its happiness from providing fruit to those around. The difference, right? If I just go here and get this, if I can just get this, if I can just get this money, this spouse, this thing, this job, if I can just get this, it will produce happiness in me. It's not gonna produce happiness. I'm just letting you know, you might be more fulfilled in a different job, but that will not be the source of your lifetime happiness. You might be more fulfilled, fulfilled? If you're an animal. You might be more fulfilled if you have 15,000 more dollars coming in but you will not necessarily be happy. You might be more fulfilled if you find a spouse possibility, but that will not produce happiness. That's coming from something longer, sustainably different. It's coming from being rooted in something. Remember, good roots before good fruits. And we have access into that, which is a beautiful thing. And so the good news is, Jesus is drawing us into these spaces. It's not on us to make, it's not my job to make you convince you to go do this. That doesn't work. Even if I said like, you're not, you're going to die if you don't do this by next week. It doesn't work. But the invitation of Jesus in the heart of God is always wooing us because that's his mission, right? As the first fruits, drawing us into places that actually produce life. So you have, you get the chance to go ahead and kind of flex the muscle of listening and active listening with Jesus, how is he doing that for you? How is that happening for you? In what ways is he inviting you? It might not be massive. It could be small, you know? For me, it started during the pandemic when I felt like I did not know how to do discipleship like a church probably should, and I couldn't really point to churches that were doing it. And so I just kind of made this prayer. I would, just an openness, I would really love to know how to do this because it feels like the, probably the most important thing a church should be doing. And then the next step was like two people specifically that God was like, I think they could, they could jump into this with you. Do it first before you present it. That's the idea of like become it before we become it. And And then it's just like one step after the other, like a trusting step that Jesus is sustainable in long term and that I don't have to figure it all out. I just have to be obedient. What's that first step? Well, maybe maybe I don't know what it is for you, but it's something. And you're the only one that knows if you're being formed into Christ or if something is forming you. And that's so scary to me. 
It's so scary to me that 90% of the people I know would just rather pretend like formation is not happening and continue to be formed into something that's not sustainable. So it makes me think of a question like, when somebody looks at my life without knowing me, what kind of legacy is my life presenting? Like if I were to pass away tomorrow, I don't want to. That's not something I want to do. What would be the like nectar from the life that I've lived that somebody would actually say, that's really what he's about? And that's the opportunity that all of us have. Like what is it that, that would, you would want that to be? I know that I know the first thing on my list, I want to be a follower of Jesus no matter what that means. So inside church, outside church, at home, at the baseball field, softball field, at the gym, in my car, I want to be a follower of Jesus because I have not found anything like that. And I believe that's worth everything. So for me, I've, I've kind of made peace with that question. You have to make peace with that. And, and then you have to figure out in what ways is the Spirit of God inviting you into true formation. Lucky for you today, non-manipulation. No manipulation needed. Just conviction. <laughs> Just kidding. So for us, you can pull up the, the last questions. We are, what an opportune time for you to possibly learn the disciplines that the early church all the way through now that has carried the communities of Jesus into health. We're literally starting that today. <laughs> literally opening up an invite and saying, would you like to learn how to create space to be formed into this kind of person? And you have the opportunity. You don't have to sign up for it. And it's not the only way that it will happen in your life. But it is an invitation today that is happening. And I would love for you to prayerfully consider that. This is the kind of thing, like David said, that can change someone's trajectory in life. Just creating space to be with Jesus, with the people of God. So, as you're sitting there, how are you currently being formed? Number two, how are you being invited invited to step deeper into spiritual formation at River City. We believe this is important. Step number one, if you're a part of this body, this should be happening here. This should be happening. Spiritual formation should be happening, or else why are we here? Jesus is the reason we're here. So if you'll stand with me. I think that third question is a good contemplative question. And one of the most spiritual things you can do is to give space within your mind to allow the Holy Spirit to operate. I wouldn't overthink that right there. I wouldn't theologize it or build out a practical theology on what that means as much as shut your mind down for a moment as, as Becca strums something. We're going to create two minutes for you to just listen just listen for the Father speaking to you. So I'll pray, and then we're going to create that space, and then we're going to sing the doxology. So Jesus, we thank you for the body of Christ listening at home and listening here in this church. And we ask that for the next few minutes, we just create space to listen. Would you speak to us? Will we listen? And I pray that as a wall surfaces in the inability to listen, that you would just destroy those walls, God. Jeremiah says your words like a hammer that destroys even stone. So I just, even these things that we would just say, nope, I'm planting my flag in this. Whether that's cynicism, God, or deconstruction, 
Let those have their way in the terms of us being drawn to you. But today, let it just be, I'll just sit here and listen just for a few moments. So give space for about two minutes. And as I pray, I just hear the phrase that we hear all throughout Scripture, you are the beloved. You are a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. You are the beloved. You are the beloved. And it's important. And you're important. So Jesus, let us walk as if that's the truth today. We thank you so much. We'll sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father. Son and Holy Ghost, praise God. So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below, and praise Him above ye. Son and Holy Ghost. One more time. Praise God. 
So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below, and praise Him above the heavenly. Say amen, oh, and amen. Let it be so. Here we say amen. The people of God cry, amen. So I'm, I'm hoping care is ready downstairs for those who are part. If you would like to jump into ETS or another group, you can stay after to hear more. Specific to ETS, you can come have lunch with us if you'd like to jump into that. Next week's focus is being present. So guess what I would like you guys to do um, next week. Be present. If you know people a part of RCC, invite them to be present. Let's just make a, just one month. What would it look like if I was present for four weeks? <gasps> what would happen? <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for the people of God. We thank you for the city we live in. We pray your blessings on all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.